We're saying now we're going to we're coming to you. We want to partner with you in a meaningful way. Don't go into community and say, here's what we're going to do to you, but rather to say, here's what we'd like to do with you. What do you think? Co-creating a community health plan that makes sense for that community, that's based on their top priorities. That's what we're doing. Thanks for tuning in to Northwell Health's 20-Minute Health Talk, where some of the brightest minds in healthcare help us break down the latest news and developments. I'm Rob Hoyle, alongside my co-host, Chris Kazuski, and today our very special guest is Dr. Deb Salas-Lopez. Dr. Salas Lopez is the Senior Vice President of Community and Population Health for Northwell Health. Dr. Salas Lopez, thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure to be here. And welcome, Deb. Um, You have such an amazing story with with such a a rich background. Can you tell us a little bit about that before we jump into the topic? Sure, my pleasure. I was uh, born and raised in the Bronx. I'm a New Yorker. And because I'm a Puerto Rican, I uh, refer to myself and my parents as uh, New Yorkans. And uh, I had the pleasure of uh, living in the Bronx until my young adulthood. Uh, I'm one of five kids. My father was a minister for 40 years and uh, eventually, you know, left the Bronx. Uh, We left the Bronx when the Bronx was burning and uh, ended up in Newark, New Jersey, where I went to medical school. It was a lifelong dream. My dad, as a minister, had taught us how to care about people. And I loved science, always did. And uh, science taught me how to care for people. And so that combination and that passion lived with me for forever. Mm. Uh, It's a long story in terms of how I got to medical school, but um, I ended up at Lehigh Valley Health Network. I was there for 12 years and ultimately was the chief transformation officer for the system. And uh, found my way back to New York when both my children moved to New York and I became a grandma of twin girls. And I'm so happy to be here. Uh, It's just an honor. And now the work that I'm doing in the community is just so validating for me. In fact, as you uh, may know, we're doing faith-based testing in some of the churches. And we did one in the Bronx. And uh, it turns out that it was one of the churches that my dad had talked about That's awesome. when, I was, when I was a small girl. And when I asked to go to the sanctuary, uh, it just brought me back to what, you know, what my dad uh, would say about the founder of that church. And I saw a picture of my dad and the founder of that church. That's how I know that I'm in the right place, doing the right things with the right communities. What was that moment like? It was just joyous, you know, just uh, thinking about what my dad would have said and how proud he would have been of me. You know, I came back to the church he always talked about, uh, but just came back in a different capacity to give back to that community. What's it like for you to be back in that community and other communities? We were in a church together in Harlem and to be able to help these people in these underserved communities get the testing and get information that's so important to their lives. Having been raised in that community, underserved communities, I mean, I guess I, you know, part of it is that I walked in those shoes and I, I, I was part of that community at one point in my life. You know, in the 60s and 70s, you know, the way you got health care was uh, you went into the projects and you went into the basement and there was a clinic there. I remember doing that as a little girl. And that was access to care. And so uh, the work that we're doing is so invaluable to communities that have difficulty getting access to care. And at a time like this, difficulty getting tested for COVID. So being able to give back to that community is, you know, just for me is paying it forward. Uh, And I see what other things and stressors they have in their lives, like poverty, unemployment. You know, when we were growing up, my parents didn't always worry about healthcare. 
They worried about putting food on the table. And that's how it is today, all these years later. Yeah, I, uh, you know, before COVID hit, there was a, there was a growing emphasis on community health. Has has COVID disrupted it in any fashion, or has it accelerated it? I think it. I think it was always there. You know, I think that COVID amplified it and accelerated it. Unmet social needs in poor communities, particularly communities of color, Black, Brown, and Latinx communities, unmet social needs have always been there. COVID has made it worse. Unemployment has gotten worse. People are scared. Some people have no choice. They live in, fam- you know, in households where there's more than one family. They're essential workers. They have to take mass transit. So COVID has met, uh, has you know, made these communities, it made it harder for them, made it harder to function, day-to-day life. Now there's fear of an you know, invisible enemy. I think it has made things much worse for our poor communities. And it could be coming back here in New York as it is across the entire United States, starting to get scary again. I think it's such a great relationship to have that relationship with the faith-based communities because I think a lot of people in some of these areas don't always trust the politicians or trust the the doctors. And so when they have their faith-based leaders telling them and helping them and and showing them the way, like you need to get tested or here's some things that, that are available to you that maybe you didn't know, that's important. You're absolutely right. My dad, I remember when I was a little girl, and of the proudest moments I had with my dad was standing next to him holding his hand while people came up to him to ask for advice because you're a leader. You're trusted, as you just said, Rob. And so um, you're absolutely right. The, the faith-based leader is trusted. They know that individual in the community. And so when they have doubts or questions or they're fearful of something, they look to them for advice. And when we're testing in faith-based communities, you know, the one thing about Northwell that's so wonderful is that many of the systems have hunkered down and just look to recover, right? Get back on track financially, get back to the quote-unquote normal course of health business. Well, yes, we've done that. But we've also said, what could we do better given what we've learned from COVID? What can we do upstream? And that is what we're doing going to faith-based organizations, going to community-based organizations, and working with these trusted leaders to not only provide testing, but also provide outreach, provide education. In some of the churches now, we're going back and we're doing flu shots. And so we're maintaining those relationships. So yeah, we started testing, and that's the entree to starting the relationship. But ultimately, what we want to do is develop meaningful, long-term relationships with community leaders that have the trust of their communities and by the way, these are the communities that were disproportionately affected by COVID. And so we're, we're really happy to be there and we're learning so much. Underserved communities of color, they have it rough day to day, right? Mm-hmm. And Northwell is making it just a little bit easier. So are we redefining the health system's role? Yes, we are. As it should be. I think health systems across the country have learned that you know, those hard-hit communities need more from us. And I think, you know, doing nothing is not an option. So going back and making sure that we care for communities in ways that make sense for them, we provide the services we need to provide, and we're a visible health and wellness system in their communities. 
uh, is going to be important. That's what we're doing. Yeah, I think the ripple effect there is is amazing. And and the more people you touch, they touch more people. And it's even simple things, right? Like eating healthy right. and exercise. Those things go a long way. Right. And doing that in a way that's meaningful to them, culturally appropriate for them. When we were doing testing in the churches, sometimes we did it during times when the food pantry was open. We couldn't figure out, untangle the lines mm-hmm. with a COVID test versus a food pantry te- you know, line. That's eye-opening because you realize how important uh, to make sure that you understand that you, when you're prescribing, when you see a patient in our offices, when they come to the hospital or the ED, they may be going home to no food or unhealthy food. And so I, I think going to the community and being with the community and understanding them at their at that level is so important for us because you learn a lot about how we can be better partners in health and wellness. How many churches are we in? 86. Well, uh, it's probably a little bit less than that because we've been in community centers as well and projects. Uh, but um, all, in all in, it's about 86 locations now. We've tested well over 65,000 people uh, and we're learning so much. It's just, uh, it's just great to be out there. And communities are receiving us with open arms. You know, in some communities, we either did not have a physical presence or we didn't have a strong partnership. So our initial focus now are communities where we've not been in traditionally or provided access and care. Uh, and so we're really ecstatic about being there and doing things that uh, they need from us. Do you see, uh, what is the reaction you see from some people sometimes when, when you come in and you, and, and you and other people within the organization are showing that you legitimately, you care about their health, their well-being? Yeah. What's that like? I, it's, uh, first of all, our staff, when I, you know, we, we go with, we've got a team of people, nurses. When you talk to our staff and you say, you know, how is it to be out here? How is it to be, you know, what, what's it, what, is, what does it feel like? To a person, they will say, this reminds me of purpose. How important is it for us in healthcare to be reminded of purpose, of why we went into healthcare? So in many ways, the community is touching us and our hearts as much as we're touching them and helping them. The community, you know, as I said before, the the faith-based leader who opens the door, many of whom, by the way, were the first to stand in line to get tested. So they led by example. Uh, they're um, they're overjoyed. Many of them uh, came in. Some of them had to wait. And when we walked the line, myself, Reverend Barbara Felker, Eddie Frazier, this is a team of people that have been at this for a while now. Uh, we, you know, we apologized. Sorry you had to stand in line or if it was raining. None of them ever complained. We're good. Thank you for being here. Awesome. Thank you for noticing. Um, and so we're happy to wait. Um, so just wanted to get your, your feel on the current state of community health right now. I think that we have built a really great foundation in all the work that we've done before. I think COVID transformed us. And I think that we've recognized that we need to do it better and we need to do more and potentially differently than we've done it before. And so rather than wait and build it and have it come to us, we're saying now we're going to we're coming to you. We want to partner with you in a meaningful way. Not go into community and say, here's what we're going to do to you. 
but rather to say, here's what we'd like to do with you. What do you think? Co-creating a community health plan that makes sense for that community, that's based on their top priorities. Yeah, I think that goes such a long way too, because it's like you said, you don't want to go there and tell people how to live their lives, but you want to hear back from them and you want to have this working relationship. When you walk the streets and you park on the street and you walk into a faith-based organization, you know immediately what that community is about. And it's not until you do that. Our interview out there was eye-opening. In one of the churches, there's a museum in the basement of that church that has artifacts from the 1800s, that has uh, papers from the slaves that belonged to that church. And Harriet Tubman was a member of that church. It was such an incredible history at a time in our lives when we see what's going on in this country and in the world. But to have your, our CEO and president sit down with that faith-based leader and say, what's your top priority? That means something to us and it means something to them. Speaking of leading, tell us a little bit about how Northwell is leading the charge in utilizing some tools and programs to make a difference. So uh, one of the things that we have is uh, we use publicly available data and then some other tools that we've developed to look at and map out where we know there may be social vulnerability in our communities. And we use zip codes to do that. So high unemployment rates, poverty rates, a high unnecessary use of the emergency room for primary care conditions. We're using that and now we're overlaying where we're in faith-based organizations doing testing. We're overlaying where we might have access, like a federally qualified health center that can be a partner to us or where we have a physical asset. And so we're, we're mapping things out so that we can say, here's where the data is telling us to go because these are the most vulnerable community members. And so how about we show that data to our community and to our community leaders? That's what we're doing now and saying, what do you think? And we're learning much more from them because now we have a broader picture. We can give the data context. And so what we're learning in our geographies, we're big. We've got a lot of scale, very diverse communities across the board. Most communities are saying top priority, mental health and wellness. So before you were talking about the disparities and, you know, we've been working with the town of Hempstead quite extensively, even with the faith-based testing as you were leading. Um, could you just talk about that and why we're investing in partnerships with townships to make sure we're making a difference? So the town of Hempstead approached us about testing in underserved communities and communities of color. So we've been out there for the last uh, two months doing testing in our communities. We're not only doing testing in communities, we're doing it in projects. We're coming to them. We're bringing a mobile van. And we're also testing essential workers, people who work in supermarkets, who take mass transit. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, and you're right. The zip code matters. In fact, the zip code is the biggest determinant of how long you're going to live, believe it or not. And so we're happy to go out and to do and to work with and to partner with the town of Hempstead Thank you for them for the support that they're giving us to do this so that we can address access, access to education. Because, you know, we're learning a lot about COVID. So while we're doing testing, we're also educating as we get educated every day on this virus. So we have an opportunity to not only test, but we also have an opportunity to reinforce education on social distancing, on wearing a mask, and to share what we know, uh, given that we have taken care of the most people with COVID in the country. And so it's, it's an opportunity for so many reasons. First and foremost, it's a hard to access community because they don't, they don't 
have access to care and they don't have access to testing. And second, because it's one more opportunity for Northwell to engage our community and provide the education uh, that we need to, uh, to get better. It's almost kind of amazing to think that this is something that hasn't been happening, you know, years and decades ago. But now, do you see with Northwell taking the lead in this, other health systems and other organizations getting involved? Yes, I do. I do think that other organizations, public and governmental agencies, our payer community, our foundations. Yes. You know, in many ways, COVID has, you know, sh- you know sh- is shining a bright light on the priorities we each have in, in, in our lives. And so, you know, treating each other with respect and with dignity. And we, you know, we were doing testing, as you know, Rob, in Harlem, because mm-hmm. we spent some time there. Yep. And it was during the time that we had, you know, the social unrest, the protests, you know, around George Floyd and others who have been victims. And so I remember in the 60s and 70s, walking to church with my dad in Harlem, we were doing that. It's a sad state that we're still doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Our system, Michael Dowling, our president and CEO, signed a pledge declaring racism a public health crisis because we can't ignore that other pandemic, which is also an invisible pandemic, and it's an enemy. It's an enemy in our underserved communities and communities of color. And so we're taking a stand there too. Yeah. When you say listening... Um, to the community, was there things that you never expected or, or things that you guys heard that when you were out there that you're like, wow, that's kind of eye-opening? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, in many of our geographies, right, you know, you go out and you, and, you, and you stand in line with them and you listen to what they're worried about, violence, right? They worry about violence. They worry about their kids. Uh, they worry about where they're going to get their next, you know, check. They worry about food, all of the things that are affecting substance abuse in our communities, opioid, alcohol. And so, so it is sobering to sit down and talk to people about what worries them day to day. It's not always necessarily their high blood pressure, by the way, mm-hmm. or better control of their diabetes. Is Will they be safe in their neighborhoods? Which you would think is just a, a natural living, yeah. you know, human thing. Yeah, some of us take it for granted, right? You're going to be safe. So moms and dads out there that live in these communities worry about their children being safe when they go to school and come back. You know, the other thing we worry about, technology. The digital divide now being, you know, is now the new social determinant of health, right? Many of these communities, they can't send their kids to school anymore, where, where, by the way, they got free lunch, right? But they now, you know, many many of those of our community members do not have more than one device in the house. And that's challenging on remote learning. Exactly right. Telehealth, right? How do they access health? So in some ways, that's also causing more disparities than we had prior to COVID. Yeah. We're getting near the end of our show, and we always like to end on a positive note. And there's been so much positivity in this whole conversation, which is great. What, What gives you hope? What gives me hope is that we have leadership and we have Northwell colleagues that have passion and compassion in their hearts. They're opening up their hearts and minds to the work that we have to do together. There are heroes. So is our community. And so what gives me hope is that nothing's going to keep us down. We're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep meeting our community needs. We're going to keep working together. And we're going to keep doing the things that give us purpose. All of us. 
Dr. Salas Lopez, thank you so much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. We appreciate it for everybody out there. Have a great week and stay safe. Get more insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.